What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast, the only show that is made to help you love and lead your family from the front, from this place of opportunity, excitement, fulfillment, passion, all at the same time still pursuing your own personal and professional goals as well. It's a lot to juggle. It's a big problem. It's tough to do. Easier said than done. But that's the problem that we are here to serve. That's the balance we are here to help you find. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am your host, and I want to first thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode, whether you have listened to every episode along the way, or maybe this is your first time tuning in, I want to say thank you to you. You could spend your time doing literally anything else, and you have chosen to be here to listen to this episode. That's something that I take very seriously. My goal is to to steward your attention well and give you the best return on your time and attention as I possibly can. So thank you for being here. So before we jump in and I introduce this week's guest, quick plug for our Dad the Man Facebook group. So you can find our group on Facebook. Just search for Dad the Man in the group section, or you can go to the link in the show notes here and uh, and it'll take you right to it. But, you know, as men, husbands, and fathers, there's so many circumstances, life situations, challenges, all these things that we face, and we think they're unique to us. But they're not. As men, husbands, and fathers, we go through so many of the same things. There is no point in going through that alone. So we've created this Facebook group to go through it together. So come join us in the group. It's totally free. There's no excuse not to join. Like I said, you can find us on Facebook. Easy. Just search for Dad the Man in the group section. Go to the link in the show notes. I hope to see you in there soon. So today's guest is none other than Harry Arnett. So along with his business partners, Mark Wahlberg and Steve Levinson, Harry Arnett is the co-founder and CEO of the clothing brand Municipal, which was created to motivate people to overcome any obstacle that gets in their way of living their best life. I have a few t-shirts from Municipal, and I can honestly say that their origin shirt is literally my favorite t-shirt in my closet right now. It's the most comfortable shirt I have. I love it. Harry has a really impressive professional resume, serving in executive positions at companies like Callaway and TaylorMade. And his journey is really, really interesting to me because it wasn't until after leading these, these massive household brand names that he chose to leave and lead a startup company in Municipal. In this conversation, we talked about the psychology of this career pivot, quote unquote, later in the game, which I found to be super interesting and inspiring. With a few teenage daughters, Harry is a seasoned dad, and the lessons from his experiences that we chat about today are invaluable. Harry is extremely thoughtful, intelligent, and articulate, and has a unique approachability to him. He oozes with wisdom, and after chatting with him, it's no surprise that he's been as successful as he's been. Above it all, he is an incredible man, husband and father, and it was an honor to host him on the show. So here's my conversation with the Harry Arnett. And we are live with the co-founder and CEO of uh, Municipal Sport Utility Gear. Got the hat and the shirt on right here. It's awesome stuff. This guy is business partners with Mark Wahlberg and Steve Levinson in this venture as well. He is the one and only Harry R. Net. Harry, thank you so much for making some time to join us here on the show. I know you are a super busy dude. I've seen some of the Wall Street show. I've heard you on some other interviews. I've seen the little glimpses into the day in the life. Like I was telling you before we came on, I feel a little bit bad to steal an hour from you 
but so excited to have you on here. Harry Arnett, welcome to the Dead the Man podcast. Thanks for having me. I always laugh at that too when people are like, oh man, you must be so busy. I'm like, who's not busy these days? Like, <laughs> find me the person who is trying to hold down a job with a wife and kids and who would say, you know what? I'm not busy at all. There's nothing going on. So yeah, I appreciate you having me and back at you. I know you got a lot going on. So, um, and I appreciate you wearing all that municipal stuff. Looks great. I think we're wearing the same color today too. Look how it looks better on you. Maybe. I think we are. Yeah. I don't know. My lighting's pretty good over here, so I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I do uh, have poor lighting. <laughs> uh, no, love, love this shirt though. Um, love the hat as well. Uh, but anyway, yeah, man, it's pumped to have you here. I want to wade in and I want to go way back. My favorite place to wade into these types of conversations is to get a feel for your childhood, um, get an understanding of who you are, let everybody get to know you a little bit. So tell us a little bit about your childhood, where you came from, where you grew up, siblings, what you were into the whole nine yards there. Um, well, I'm third of four boys. And my father was in the arts, so he he created his own path, um, which was normal to me. But in comparison to the kids I grew up with, it seemed like we were from the moon or something. You know, it, it um, our house was always full of full of art, and from antiquities to contemporary art, there were always people coming in and out of the house. My dad actually was one of the few people I knew. Now this is going way way back few people that was purely work from home and you know now that's kind of normal back then Mm -hmm. not normal so growing up with friends and friends and stuff that whose whose parents had kind of traditional office jobs um I felt like an alien a lot of times that because that just wasn't wasn't my uh wasn't my experience at all so we always had interesting people coming in and out of the house um from artists to curators to collectors to just everybody that touched the fine arts in um and i grew up in atlanta so you know we weren't at that time atlanta was was going through a pretty cool transition from um being a regional town to a major global metropolitan center and uh and so like being being around the arts at that time was actually a really great uh, learning experience for me that I definitely did not appreciate at the time. Um, being the being the third of, of four boys, I felt like I was constantly trying to fight for attention and fight for my own path and trying to to figure out why did the why did the good Lord put me on on this earth and and um, but now looking back on it, it it really was I wouldn't trade the experience in for anything because. It really a lot of things it taught me at that time. You know, it taught me that the the world out there, the broader world at large, d- looks different and it's diverse. And there's diversity of opinion, there's diversity of thought, there's diversity of background, and all of that comes together in the in the in the spirit of progress and making us better tomorrow than we than we are today. And that was certainly the value system that my dad gave me is that um, that part of what we all should aspire to is to make life for, the, for our community and the better around us and to give voice to people that don't necessarily have voice on their own. So that's been, um, that's been a little bit of a driving force for me, definitely lately. And as a, as a younger person, sometimes it's hard to feel like you're all that empowered 
to do so. You know, you always kind of feel like you're a little bit downstream of the decision makers, that there are other people that are making decisions that impact you. Uh-huh. And at some at some point along the way, I think this this might this might describe your uh, your growth journey a little bit too, Brendan. At some at some point along the way, you realize that you are in fact the star of your own movie, and you get to write it however you want. There's nobody else writing that script for you. And as soon as you make that flip, it just it it's just an empowering sense of um, of ownership and responsibility. Um, and sometimes that pushes us out of our comfort zone that when, when you really, when you really start to embrace that freedom, freedom and comfort, a lot of times don't go together. So it, it definitely, it definitely ratchets up the discomfort of, 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 uh, un, of the unknown, but, um, but that's what, uh, that's what, it, that's what freedom brings us. We man, we could wrap right there. That's a that's a heck of a lead in, man. Put a pin in that. Bang. Put a pin in that. Shortest podcast of all time. <laughs> and uh, let's just we'll leave it there. Man, that one will for sure make a clip uh, for Instagram after the show. Um, I just described like forty five years of of uh, personal journey in like eight minutes. So I was pretty pleased with that. That was that unscripted. Was... I didn't have any. I don't have any notes in front of me. That's unscripted. That's from the heart. That was phenomenal. Um, Man, that was so good. Now I'm like, man, where do we go from here? But well, I, let's let's back up. Let's back up and and because I have somewhat of the benefit of being able to look backwards over years of years of uh, experience. Where you know, I, I hate to say this, but I am in fact past the median of my life expectancy. <laughs> so I'm on I'm on the back nine or uh, the the second part of this race, if you want to say it, and. I think that that's something that I, I try to something that my my is as enlightened as um, an experience I feel like I grew up in. It's not it's not really a conversation that I ever had with anyone, you know, even mm-hmm. the people closest to us of of what what do you wish you knew when you were you know thirty that would affect the kind of prime prime young years, you know, between thirty and fifty, and yep. I think that uh, these kinds of topics that we're talking about, I wish that I said this before we even started. I wish that this kind of discussion was more prevalent when I was of that age. It could have, it could have saved me a lot of agony and a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of the pain through um, trial and error. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, So tell us this, tell us a little bit about your story, I guess, then let's start peeling into you. You've worked with some of the bigger, a lot of our listeners are golf guys. So Taylor made um, Callaway, you know, you've had an incredible career prior to municipal at these brands. So let's just say, you know, you work up your, you know, top level executive at, at, at Callaway, you make the jump over to municipal. I'm really interested in that turning point. Cause I feel like that's a really big change that you made. You, I would imagine, and tell me if, if I'm wrong, but I would guess you were somewhat comfortable at, at Callaway in the, in the job that you had. And I'm sure there were a lot of challenges, but I would guess there's a level of comfort, like you were saying before. And then now you're at municipal and I'm guessing there's a whole different level, a lot less comfort and maybe more freedom, maybe swinging that way. Talk to us a little bit about what's going on in between the transition. What's going on in your head. Why did you make this move? I've always had a somewhat of an entrepreneurial um, desire 
pull, mm-hmm. um, probably not fueled by enough confidence, courage, and self-belief. And, um, and so my whole professional career, honestly, was spent trying to, uh, trying to navigate like those, those, the, the two opposing forces that we just talked about, you know, security mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and freedom. And um, I found my way into the golf industry kind of by brute force, honestly. I didn't know anyone in the industry. I didn't have any contacts. And, it, you know, along the way, if I kind of were going to map, map my life, anytime that I, um, that I sucked it up and put myself out there in, in a really vulnerable way, to state my intention, to, to, uh, to articulate my desire and really went for it, great things happened. And those are the inflection points in my, in my life from, you know, not, I'll go back, I'll just go back like 25 years approaching my now wife in the conversation. Like, I know that seems like for the players out there, they're like, what's the big <laughs> deal you're talking to, but okay. Magical things happen. I found my best friend and, and partner in, in this thing to career steps along the way to personal journeys. Whenever I, I allowed myself to be vulnerable in the pursuit of really going after something that was near and dear to me and a, and a true desire, a true um, in true alignment of like passion, talent, uh, and ambition. Mm-hmm. Anytime I did that, good things happen. It didn't always happen the way I envisioned it. If you had told me 20, 20 years ago, you'll be starting a startup, um, you know, in a, in a big category from, from scratch in, in the midst of a pandemic, of course I would have said, no way, I don't want to do that. But, um, but the where we are today, although it doesn't look like what we were envisioning a couple of years ago, is is you know uh, the manifestation of of that kind of desire. So I'd, I'd always had, I'd always had the the desire to be to build something, and mm-hmm. um, from scratch, I don't know if I would say from scratch was part of it, but. It's, uh, but the, the thing that I really wanted to test myself was, do I have the fortitude, the, 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 um, stick-to-itiveness, the creativity and the ability to lead a bunch of people to, towards a new vision and be on the hook for its success or failure. You don't have to look any, I, I say this to my partners, Mark. Mark and, and Lev all the time. If this doesn't work, you don't have to look any farther than me. I will take 100% responsibility of this, the, the failure and I will, I will spread the success across all of us. But I just really wanted to test myself. And I, I felt like Brendan, within the context of a larger, of a larger company in an, in an ensemble, um, in an ensemble environment where these, you know, larger companies have their own, their own natural kind of pre-existing inertia that 
I really just wanted to feel the intensity of a hyper, um, of a hyper pressured learning environment. And um, I thought at the end of the day, whatever happened, if I was put in a place where I felt like I'm uh, my learning over the course of that time horizon was accelerated, like in a crock pot, just accelerated and, um, and intensified, I felt like no matter what, that would be a massive success. And so that kind of took the pressure off me once I kind of looked at it that way. And, um, that is just really calibrating again, aligning my actions with my core values and Mm -hmm. my, my core values are integrity and learning. And if I can align my actions towards those two things, I'm happy. I'm, I feel free and I don't fear consequence at all. So, um, that's a lot easier said than done. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that that's, that definitely is from a lot of learning. You'll hear people probably say that kind of thing. Like, Hey, as long as you're living your life by your values, you'll be happy. And, um, but until you start to put that to practice, mm-hmm. um, you really, you really won't. I don't think appreciate it to the level that you do once you start getting your reps in. You mentioned that this entrepreneurial bug has been in you for a long time. This, I'm sure you're very happy with the way that the stars have aligned. But does any part of you wish you had jumped into this world sooner? I don't know if I was ready, but at the same time. Mark always, Mark always says, there's no such thing as good or bad time. There's just time. So um, I don't know if I would have been ready, nor did I have the benefit of having some success. So I had, I had the confidence of having, um, you know, a track record that I could look back on Mm -hmm. and, and rely on in the downtime, in the down, the downturns. Mm -hmm the downsides. It's not, it's not all, it's not all pretty in the, you know, in the darkest times that I had a track record that I knew that I could draw upon that, uh, that gave me the confidence to get out of it and, you know, to move through those barriers where I'm not sure I would have had that same, um, that same confidence and, uh, and the courage to be able to, to, um, find, fight the way through the, the inevitable obstacles that that starting something from scratch hits you under the best of times and certainly not in the last couple of years with so many headwinds that were unexpected. You mentioned that you made this decision based on your values. And you also mentioned that living by your values is not an easy thing. So you, your values led you to, to make this leap over to municipal. And I'm really interested in right where we're talking, right in this point where you're going from you're kind of turning the page into this new chapter and you're standing there considering making the decision. What scared you at that point in time? Like, was there anything that almost held you back? Like, was there something that maybe almost kept you at Callaway or on the path that you're on? Was there a fear in your mind at that time? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> how much time you got? Um, <laughs> a lot of things. I mean, a lot of, a lot of factors, not the, the biggest one is I don't, once you, once you, once you sign up for a life with someone and, and a family, which I have two teenage daughters now, and um, 
and a wife that's been married almost 20 years, you don't get to make decisions on your own. So the effect of my desire and decisions on other people, not, not just employees and colleagues, but on my own family, of course, is the number one consideration and making sure that um, my wife, Kim, and our, our, even our kids were well on board for what this journey meant. And um, we were pretty aligned on that from, from the start, I would say like almost, almost, almost uh, uh, strangely aligned on mm -hmm. let's, let's go for it. And um, I, I wanted, I always wanted the family to feel like they were a part of this too, but where I think this is part of not wanting my kids to feel some of the stuff I felt as a kid. I, I didn't want them to feel the insecurity and the, the turbulence that you inevitably feel when you're, when you're doing something that really eliminates all the security. Mm -hmm. And um, so I never wanted them to feel that in the same way that I, I felt it pretty, pretty keenly. And um, I never wanted my kids to feel like they were, they were having to make sacrifices um, but I definitely wanted them to appreciate that, uh, that, you know, good things don't come to you. You have to, you have to go out and, and get them. You have to, you have to state your intention and then work like hell to make it happen. And, um, so that, that was definitely scary. I mean, leaving, leaving an, uh, a place that I really loved and still love to this day and people that I loved. Um, and that's the comfort I think that you're, you're talking about. So the work was definitely hard and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I was breezing through the day and not working hard. I was definitely working hard in a, in a larger company with a lot more responsibility um, entrusted upon me from, from day to day. Um, but the, the, the comfort was really about the known. And again, having this this natural momentum that occurs in a big place that's been around for a long time. There aren't any wild swings one way or another, like a really good year is, um, can be quantified five to 8% growth. A really bad year is the other way, five or 8% um, decline, but you don't have these wild swings. So that's the comfort I think is that there's always a little bit, if you fall on your face, you're not falling that far. Um, but on the other hand, if you succeed, you're not really making these like quantum leaps mm -hmm. in changing the trajectory one way or another for the business or, or yourself. So that that was definitely some soul searching because that that takes a lot of getting used to when the 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 future is very much unknown. Mm -hmm. And um, if you if you let it consume you then it's sometimes in, in this case of, of being in a startup environment, it feels like every decision is existential. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and a lot of them are, but it's understanding what are the ones that are really mission critical are really strategic, strategic, uh, strategic pivot points. And what are the ones that you are really don't have that level of risk associated with them. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's very different than being in a large 
a larger company where very, very, very few decisions you make are truly, um, are truly kind of, uh, brand or company life or death decisions. Very yeah. few. How is Very that increased? Even stuff pressure? like hiring, even stuff like hiring, like, you know, you make a wrong hire in a, in a big place. Okay. Made a wrong hire. It's not working out. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's agree to part ways. And you have a whole infrastructure that helps you there. You make <laughs> a wrong hire in a small place. Like it, it's, it's like, it's like you made 200 bad hires in a big place. I mean, it really yeah. amplifies so the the intensity that exists on a day-to-day basis is definitely um, higher, but at the same time, like that's what I that's what I was signing up for, and that's what I was hoping. Right. So a lot of times when when stuff's not not going so well, not so fun, I have to remind myself. I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted, and I signed up for. That's a good reminder to have for yourself. So like this this increased pressure this. Um, you, you referred to it as the crock pot before. How has that affected maybe your marriage or your relationship with your kids? I'm imagining coming home after a day of work in an environment like that. Like, can you turn that off? Like, I know there's got to be some residual, a little bit of impact there. Definitely a change between the two. How has that impacted you? That is actually one of the reasons that I'm glad that I waited to do it because I understand now a lot more than I did 20 years ago that what what we do is not who we are and um, and I think that the closer you can get to what you do is a reflection of who you are and not the other way around hmm. um, then that's kind of the key let me say it again because I think it's I think it's really important what we choose to do professionally isn't who we are as people, but who we are as people should reflect on how we show up professionally. And it should reflect the decisions we make professionally. And at at best, those things are aligned. And um, I think I wouldn't have been able to have balanced that or honored that 20 years ago where um, I had a pretty... I think I had a, my motivation was more, um, was more like kind of having a chip on my shoulder and a desire to prove myself than it is now where my desire really is to build something special and to provide an environment that our customers and our partners and our employees are thrilled to be a part of that. That's more my motivation than like, you know, um, proving that I'm adequate or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever a psychiatrist would say my motivation was, (laughs) has been. But I think that, um, I think that the pressure, I think that the pressure that, um, that maybe exists at home, or at least the, at least some of the conflict that exists at home is, is really more, more of the, of the teachable moments that happen from any parent to teenagers and trying to, trying to, trying not to, not trying not to um, have that false sense of looking at their lives through the prism of a 51 year old, (laughs) you know, and trying to, 
trying to really have a lot of empathy for what they're going through in, in this and in helping that. I mean, I say this to my 16 year old all the time is like, you're no one's holding you to a standard of perfect because you're 16, you're going to screw up all the time. That's there's not a 16 year old on the planet. That's not screwing up. You're going to screw up. I screwed up even your mom who, uh, maybe she really didn't screw up, but I have to say she did screw up. <laughs> even, even, you know, mom screwed up over time. But the, but what we're trying to impress upon you is recognizing when that happens, faults will happen and apologize or make amends to whoever it affected based on your actions and to honor the truth at all times that, um, that uh, my daughter doesn't quite understand this yet, but um, it's like the cover-up is always worse than the crime. So as long as you're honest, you're never really going to get in a lot of trouble if you're honest about what's going on. And uh, so, you know, having kind of those discussions, I think aren't really related to, to, um, to what's going on at municipal, but, you know, a lot of times I do, I do think about, let me not bring home some of the stuff that's happening at work and let me, let me just, you know, create and help be a part of an environment there where they, they feel that it's, you know, uh, emotionally safe and, Mm -hmm. and consistent and not volatile. Cause I, I grew up, I should have said this about, you know, the, the house I grew up was like pretty volatile. Uh, my dad was, you know, really, um, not registered, you know, he had, uh, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of interesting mood swings that, um, that definitely affected us as kids that we didn't quite understand till a lot later, but, you know, those are kind of the things that I think my wife and I are really aligned on is consistency, honesty, integrity, kindness, and trying to be um, engaged in our kids' life on that level so that they feel like um, they're supported and feel like that they have open, open dialogue um, for, in good times and bad. Kind of simple, really hard. <laughs> really hard sometimes you want to just like sit your kids down and say what the hell are you thinking like what is going through your brain where you would think this would be acceptable yeah and uh you know that's that's obviously looking at things through a mature lens that they don't have so empathy empathy is your empathy is your best is your best uh is your best friend in those cases Yeah. When I think about parenting, especially my kids are five and three, so they're younger and already there's one word that comes, one skill that for me is the biggest thing and it's patience. And I'm imagining them growing into teenagers and I'm thinking my capacity for patience is going to have to expand by then. So I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about, we're just talking about the, you know, just the volatility, the day-to-day pressure of, you know, what you guys are building with municipal, just in your job, you're bringing that home. You must be really good at stress management. That's got to be a real I, skill of yours. I would I imagine. I drink a lot. I drink a lot. I think, <laughs> no, not a drinker. Uh, you know, I think I've been told that. And I think in some ways that's true. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a natural gift necessarily. I think that that's another thing that I've learned is to not ignore 
not ignore the stressors and to and to treat those as as problems that can be solved creatively um, and to not let them build up. Um, and that's, you know, part of my own personal discovery of learning as much about myself as I can to recognize when I am stressed. It's, it's easy. It's easy to kind of identify when things are happening in real time, like, you know, pandemic hits, we lose our funding. We have 10 days left of cash. It's easy to understand why that's stressful, right? And yeah. that's, that's, that really is like a problem that can be solved just like a math equation. It's harder to understand when you're feeling stress without being able to identify where it's coming from. And that's, that's the, that's the part I think that the last 25 years of really like, let me try to, let me try to understand myself the best that I can has really helped into identifying like the, just the physical, the physical effects of what that's like and how I'm feeling. And then being able to identify it as close to when it's happening as possible to get myself being big again, playing big and not mm-hmm. being the smallest version of myself and the, you know, cocoon up to um, put, put my hands over my head and duck under the, under the covers and not get out of bed sometimes literally, but to, to try to play big in those moments, to try to be bigger and more vulnerable in the moments when you feeling like that's exactly the opposite thing of what you want to do. I've, yeah. I've just, I've sort of learned through experience that that's the best way to get out of these moments when you're feeling um, stuck and you're feeling no progress and you're feeling like the weight of whatever it is pressing against you. Um, in, fight back against in unidentifiable ways. Right. I mean, like I said, it's, it's easy if you're like, if you can identify where the stress is coming from, cause you can, like I said, those are like math equations. You just solve, you can solve those. Right with the help of the people around you. It's the times when you're just feeling the overwhelming sense of, of the weight of the future and the weight of, you know, insecurity and the weight of, of unrealistic expectations. And it's, it's hard. I think it's harder now than it's ever been with social media and just the the media in general. Mm -hmm. Um, in in comparing ourselves to others and trying to trying to figure out what's the what's the right archetype that we fall into and none of that's healthy <laughs> none of that is healthy and uh and i guess the 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 other thing brendan we got to remember is like we got to be kind to ourselves um and we should we really should be the kindest to ourselves of anyone and uh Sometimes my my internal voice says stuff to me that I would never say to anyone else. I would never be that unkind <laughs> to anyone. Yeah, and that's true. And and I think especially with all of the complexity of being in relationships and having kids is is there's if you're a perfectionist, if you look at that through a a perfectionist a paradigm of perfectionism, then you're gonna fail. And so, you know, I, I have to remind myself that a lot. I think my wife does too, because she is, she is an incredibly high achiever is, um, 
it's uh, here comes a cliche cliche alert. It really is about the journey and it really is about just um, being kind to yourself and doing the best we can mm -hmm. because the, that paradigm that we see in media that we see in, um, in, in nonfiction and fiction of the, the perfect marriage, the perfect, um, the perfect, uh, you know, the perfect parents, all that stuff. That's an illusion. It's mm -hmm. just an illusion. It's, it's all fiction. Uh, and we're just, you know, the best you can, what you, the best we can do is, is just that we're doing the best we can. Mm -hmm. How have you learned to give yourself that grace? Because I know that's something that we all, especially as dudes and just we're hard on ourselves and we don't want to yeah. ask for help. It's, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't seem like a natural inclination for a lot of us. How have you learned to give yourself that grace? I'm not sure I have, Brendan. I really, I think that we're talking about the thing that is the most, um, the things that give me the most sense of crisis, I think is is the things that uh that i know are fundamental to happiness about not being on anyone's timeline about um about consistency about about really showing every day unconditional love to the people that matter the most around us mm -hmm. and to and to rely on the creativity to to get through any obstacle I mentioned before, um, self-belief, not, not being self-conscious, which has always been kind of at a high level, like the, the thing that I think has held, held me back from being the truly the best version of myself. And here I am 51 years after being put on the earth and I still fight through those same things, even with, you know, uh, a rearward, a rearward, rearward looking um, history that would suggest that that has that those those kinds of things don't serve me well. Here I am still fighting through it, mm -hmm. and uh, and at the same time, like that's that's good recognition that it's not perfect, and we're we're in and of itself, like the, the journey and the self-discovery is the, is the magic. That's where the magic is. I'm curious to know, you mentioned, um, you know, your, your daughters and you mentioned social media and this whole idea of comparison and how just how we do this to ourselves. Our brain chemistry does it to us and it really, it can trick us. And I know with a de young developing mind with our children, especially daughters, especially girls, it seems to be a harsher thing um, com comparing appearances. <clears throat> How are you handling that? How are you approaching that? Like what's the, as the, as the dad of two daughters who I'm guessing are all over TikTok and Instagram and, uh, you know, into the whole thing, like the, everybody else, how are you navigating that with them? I break their phones and cut off their uh, data plans. You know, it's pretty simple. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. I, it's, I think that, I don't know if anyone has a great strategy for it, but ours has always been, let's try to make sure that our kids appreciate 
the, the values that we represent in an effort for them to understand their own values and the things that we have gone through by being on this planet longer than they have to be able to, to be able to share with them the things we've learned along the way, not in a pedantic way or, or a didactic way because they resist that, mm -hmm. but really presenting it in, in a way that is comfortable and digestible for them. So now that I'm saying it, maybe my wife and I should make TikTok videos of the mistakes we've made <laughs> along the way. Maybe they would understand that. But um, but to really just constantly have the discussion about those topics, about values, and trying to make it really simple for for our kids to kind of get that um, of of as long as you're living within your values and you don't stray outside of them, the mistakes you make along the way are always going to be surmountable. Mm -hmm. um, and you can kind of live a, live an authentic life. And um, they don't get that all the time, but the times they do get it are like the, the best times as parents, when you see them really rising to the occasion and and uh, and they they will they'll surprise you. They'll surprise you with how how just just amazing their capacity is. Um, and so you know, I think that uh, I think not not uh, not underestimating our kids is is uh, is one of the great things when those things happen. You know, from time to time when you really realize that you're you you sense and you you feel it like wow i really underestimated their capacity to be um to be these amazing people even at their young age like those are those are the most rewarding moments i think as a parent to me you know above and beyond like the other shit that you feel like you, you feel like is being bombarded towards us, like these tangible achievements, you know, like, oh, they made all A's or they, they made all-star team or they did this or that. Like, those are just, those are achievements. Those aren't really related to core behaviors. So, you know, it's the core behavior stuff. I think that, that we try to focus on more than, more than the other stuff. Cause you know, achievements are, achievements are decided by other people. They're not really, they're not really related to your core values. Yeah. Gosh, that was, that's pure gold, pure, pure, pure gold. One of the things I always say, I'm starting to say it to my five-year-old, he's just, just barely old enough to really start to get it. I'm just like, buddy, I don't care what you do. I just care how you do it. And it's yeah. the same idea. It's those values. Like, I don't care if you go make the all-star team or whatever it is. Like, I care that you're a great teammate, that you've work the hardest that you can at practice, you know, you're out in the game, you're, if you're scared to go up to bat that you, you know, you have that courage to lean into it. It's just the little, it's the values, right? And that's something I'm picking up big time from you. You are a values guy. You mentioned it talking about the company. You mentioned it talking about yourself, you mentioned it talking about your kids. And I think that's, I think that's just such a powerful orientation um, to walk through life with. It's just to have that as kind of like your I don't know if it's your bumpers, your parameters, your North star, whatever metaphor you want to use. You seem to be like a guy, seem to be a guy who is very good at 
staying focused on that, which as you alluded to before, much easier said than done. That's just being older, I think, because I don't I, if we were having this conversation 20 years ago, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to have articulated that. And that's part of my journey. And mm-hmm. um, and again, I, I think that's that's something that I wish I had had as much sensitivity to and awareness of growing up and certainly in my my younger kind of professional years of um of really understanding me. And that's the most important thing is understanding me and not people's response to me or what people think of me. That's just, that's an avatar. That's not really who you are. So that's, that's the last, I mean, I'm, I'm really summarizing like the last 10 years of, of a hyper intensive growth journey. Um, Mm -hmm. And trying to, to, you know, speaking of kids is really trying to, engage with them in those kinds of ways so that they can appreciate that at 20 instead of 40 because mm-hmm. they can appreciate it at 20 then they'll make they'll they'll make a lot of better decisions i think than uh, or a lot more informed decisions because i'm, I'm going to give myself a pass that we are who we are we are who we are but of not being self-conscious about your passions and not not trying to um, not trying to be, uh, to live your life, to satisfy the expectations of others, but to, to, you can't control that. You cannot control the expectations of others. All you can control is what you control and to take 100% radical responsibility for everything that happens to you. And the only way you can do that is to understand what your values are and live a life that is filled up with your own personal passions. And as long as you're passionate about them, that's all that matters. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if somebody thinks, oh, you know, I'm now I'm I'm really kind of reflecting on, oh, it's, it's not cool to be involved in the performing arts. You need to be an athlete or, you know, it's not, it's not cool to do this or that, or, um, my daughter's, my younger daughter's very into, into horseback riding. And so she's somewhat self-conscious about it a little bit with her friends that aren't horseback people, Mm -hmm. um, for reasons that are unknown to me, but, um, but kind of impressing upon her, that's your passion. Do not, do not apologize for the things that you care deeply about or that you love about. And if you, if that's what you want to do and that's going to, you know, that's what gets you up every day to be the best version of yourself, then go for it. Who cares what anybody else thinks? And over time, your constellation of relationships will be, will start to be more centered around your passions and what a life that is. That's you just smoked a, a lesson that has been huge in my own personal development story over the last year or two. And it's this idea of where we get our validation from, which I, I think is really at the core of everything you're alluding to. Like, are you, are we, I think more often than not, <clears throat> we do it subconsciously, but we seek validation from whether it's likes on Instagram, whether it's like, you know, you post a new job title on LinkedIn and everybody sees it or like, you know, or yeah. maybe it's with your kids, like to your point, like you get to p- put the sticker on your car of where they're going to school. You're like, we're, we let these all like false idols, th- these just 
honestly, empty avenues be our source of validation. And that's they're They are, they're empty. They're hollow. They don't take us anywhere. One of the, it's, you just nailed it. It's the biggest lesson I've learned in the last year or two is understanding where validation comes from and where it does not come from. And to just quit chasing the rabbit, the rabbit trails um, of, of empty validation. So I appreciate you arti- articulating that much better than I've been able to. Um, you put it into words perfectly and I needed someone. I'm to just do a little that, bit so farther you. down the tracks than you are. That's the only, the only thing. And I think, I think that, um, I think that the, for anybody that we engage with that has a, an interest, the, 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 the journey, the, the whole journey really, I think there's another cliche, cliche, a cliche alert. The journey really just begins with the first step and don't hold yourself to the expectation of being this fully formed, realized uh, manifestation of, of all your potential on day one. Like just, that's what you want to get to. And by the way, you'll never get there. Keep moving towards that and magical things, magical things happen. So good. So good. I could talk about this all day. I want to be respectful of your time. So I am going to move to the last two questions I ask everybody on the show. Uh, so question number one, the answer to this question cannot be your family, but what are you the most proud of to this point in your life? You know, it's, I don't know if it's the most proud of in my life. It's definitely the most proud of um, the last several years. And, and that my wife and I talk about this, that uh, who knows what's going to happen with municipal. I feel like we, we have a better, uh, a better sense of, of, uh, of our own survival than we probably did two years ago, but whatever, whatever happens with it, we went for it. And I'm really, I'm really proud of that, that, um, that whatever anybody says about me, one thing they'll have to say about me when, uh, when my time is up is that I, I definitely went for it and I didn't sit on the sideline. So I'm really, I'm really proud of that. Um, and I hope that uh, hope this doesn't crash into the ocean in a fiery in a fiery <laughs> fireball, but uh, but at least if it does, at least we at least we we went for it. Absolutely, I love it. All right, last question. This has to do with the word legacy. Legacy is a word that we hear a lot, we see a lot. A lot of times there are there's a lot of different connotations to it, whether it's money, generational wealth, names on buildings, whatever it may be. When I think about legacy, and especially in the context of the show, I think about two different buckets. I think about the people that mean the most to me now. And I think about the people that I, God willing, will hopefully leave behind on this planet. Between those two buckets is my kids. When I think about legacy, I think about the moments, the memories, the lessons, the experiences that they will share with me that so that when hopefully one day, God willing, I do leave them behind on earth, they can then live the rest of their lives with those as kind of like their, their little guiding marks, their North stars, whatever you want to call it. So through that lens, if I said, Harry, what do you want your legacy to be with your two daughters? How would you answer that question? Um, I, well, I guess it's pretty simple and warning cliche alert again, but I would want them to say that my love for them, they never felt was transactional or conditional. It was always unconditional and that through good or for bad, 
no matter what, I wanted them to to win and succeed and be happy and everything. It, you know, like we talk about that all the time. It's it's really hard, you know, depending on how they're growing up or where they live, is to let them know that we're we're proud of them and love them, irrespective of anything they do. It's it's we're proud of the people they are, and um, and our love, like again, our love for them is not is not transactional. And I tell my kids this all the time. I just say, look, you, uh, you may find somebody on this planet at some point that loves you as much as I do, but you're never going to find anyone that loves you more than I do. And, uh, and then I usually, when my wife's there, I'm like, mm, she loves you as much as I do, but you're never <laughs> going to find anyone that loves you more than us. And they think it's corny, but my hope is someday they'll be like, that was, that was pretty cool. And, and especially with young, young girls, having them have a, a heightened sense of confidence and, um, and the encouragement for themselves to go for it and to not feel held back by the stuff that's that definitely holds, holds us all back. That's awesome. I love it. That's so good. You dropped a few cliches today, but you know what? I warned you when I did it. You know, you know what? Cliches. I, I say they're cliches for a reason. If they said yeah. that, they're usually true. They're trying to true. The ones you dropped today definitely are. I really appreciate your time today, Harry. Where's the best place for people to find you, follow you, find out more about you? Where do you want to send people? Uh, you can find me on social. That one's easy. Harry Arnett. And then uh, check out our website, municipal.com. Everything that Brendan and I just talked about is really what our brand's all about, too, is is discovering the best version of yourself and and not letting any obstacle get in your way of going for it to realize your your best life. And um, Mark represents that. I hope I'm living up to that expectation too. Lev certainly does. And our, our goal is to inspire people to do the same. Awesome. We will link it up in the show notes. Harry Arnett, thank you so much, brother. Let's stay in Thanks, touch. Brandon. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See ya.